we'll not go through every chapter or every verse, but from now until the end of June, we're going to be looking into the book of Acts to see what the early church was like. See, we want to be like the early church. You understand that? We want to be like the early church because that was the church that Jesus uh, moved in and, and he started it actually, didn't he? And then Peter and John and all of that, you know. And so we want to look back there and we want to be that kind of church. I like what what uh, Jeff told me the other day when he was leaving the, at the door after the first service. He said, we're. We're concluding the book of Acts. And I thought I thought when he said that to me, I thought, well, he must be way ahead in his reading and he must be finishing up his reading. But no, what he meant by that is we are the church. We're the church today. Is that right? Now, is that right or not? And so the church, why can't we be as powerful as the church was in the in the early days of the church? Is that you understand that? So we are the church. They were the church at the beginning of the church age. We're the church here near the end of the church age before the rapture of the church, you know, and all of that. So let's be as powerful as they were. What do you say? So in order to 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 be as powerful as they are, we're going to have to do what they did. And so that's why we're going back and looking at the book of Acts to see what 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 is it that they did to have the power of God. And then let's do the same thing and we'll get the same result. So here in Acts, the second chapter in the 42nd verse, says they, now this was after the day of Pentecost, after the people had been born again and baptized with the Holy Spirit. Notice in verse 42, they continued. Real loud say they continued. Notice they continued. This is something they did regularly. Steadfastly. In the apostles' doctrine, in the word of God, and fellowship. And remember, we told you last week, this fellowship wasn't just sitting down and having a cup of coffee and talking about, you know, how things are going at work or how things are going, you know, here or there or wherever. This fellowship was around the word of God. The word of God was the central focus of the fellowship. Do you understand it? Nothing wrong with sitting down and having a cup of coffee and talking about, you know, what's going on in your life or somebody else's life. Nothing wrong with that. But that that should be secondary to sitting down and talking about and fellowshipping around the word of God. And then breaking of bread that had to do with receiving the Lord's table or the communion. That didn't have to do with going to the bread company. It had to do with receiving communion. Now, certainly there was an element of it that they did, would, would go from house to house and they'd have their, they'd meet in the temple and then they'd meet in, the, in, in people's homes and they'd receive the Lord's Supper. And no doubt they did eat food as well. Nothing wrong with eating food. Can anybody say amen? amen. <laughs> but what it talks about breaking a bread here, it talks about receiving communion. And in prayers, prayer, listen, prayer was a, was, Prayer is a vital and major part of that early church. You see it again and again and again. We'll see it here in just a few moments. That when, when miraculous things happened, it, 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 almost without exception, it's hooked up with prayer. Real loud say prayer. 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 If you want power in your life, you need to be people of prayer. The book of James says in the Amplified, you don't have to turn there, but you can look it up, says that, that the prayer of a righteous person... 
makes tremendous power, power available. It's dynamic in its working. A person of prayer. That's what prayer does. Prayer, it, 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 it produces power. We need to be people of prayer. So that's what these uh, people were doing. Now, these were not just the apostles. This was the apostles and the people. Remember, 3,000 people got saved on the day of Pentecost. Remember that? Saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And these people continued steadfastly in the word of God, the apostles' doctrine. This is verse 42, Acts 2:42, And in fellowship around the word of God. And in the breaking of bread, that's receiving the Lord's table, and in prayers. And notice verse 43, fear came upon every soul. Now that word has to do with awesome respect and reverence. Awesome respect and reverence. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Isn't that wonderful? Now I've been doing this 21 years and I could stand up here probably for about... Four or five hours, if I if I took took that much time, and I could could talk about the healings and miracles that God has done in this church over the last 21 years. You want to attend a church where those kinds of things have been going on. Did you hear what I just said? That's the kind of church you want to be hooked up with. Lots of healings. Miracles. Did you hear me? How many has ever been here when I've rattled some of those off and gone through? I mean, you know. And all who believed, verse 44, were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Now, the reason for this, and I mentioned it last week, but I went through it kind of quick, so I'll go through it again. This was not mandatory. They didn't have to sell their goods and give it, get, lay it at the apostles' feet. They didn't have to. This was not communism. See, communism, the government comes in and takes what's yours. This was not communist in any way, shape, form, or fashion, or socialism. It, it was something that was done free will. The people didn't have to sell their goods and bring and lay it at the apostles' feet. And even if they sold what they had, they didn't have to bring any of it. As we'll see that when you get into Acts, the fifth chapter. We'll get there eventually. So this was not communism. Also, history records that there was a law passed. It was a persecutory law, a persecution thing. That in the jurisdiction of Jerusalem, they had passed a law that that the, the government could actually come in and confiscate the Christians' goods. So what they did was, is they sold their goods and just put it there in the church. And somehow or another, that bypassed the government being able to come in and take their, their goods. Now, the Bible doesn't record that, but history records that law there in Jerusalem. So that, that's some reason why, to give us some reason, that gives us, we can see the reason why they were doing what they were doing and selling their goods and bringing it and laying, laying it at the apostles' feet. But they didn't have to do it. Nobody had to do that. Do you understand that? Okay. And then anyway, let's pick up verse 46. So continuing daily, notice this. What did they do to have the kind of power they had in that early church? They continued daily with one accord in the temple. 
So people that have trouble with coming to church once a week, just think about that early church. They were having services going on daily. (laughs) And there was one accord. That means they were in unity and in agreement. They didn't have a bunch of squabbling going on. People arguing over this, that, and the other thing within the church. And breaking bread from house to house. There it is again. Communion. You study into that, you'll see. It's talking about the Lord's Supper. And, of course, they ate their food with gladness. Now, of course, they did fellowship around food. I don't know if they had Dunkin' Donuts or Krispy Kreme. There's nothing wrong with that. But just remember, I don't put Dunkin' Donuts first around here. I don't put Krispy Kreme first around here. I'll tell you the truth. You might as well just listen real good. If you see a church starting up and they send you a flyer in the mail and they're advertising to you what kind of, you know, they're going to be serving donuts and coffee to try to lure you in, you'd be better off not going there. Did you hear what I just said? When we started the church, I didn't offer people coffee and donuts. I offered them the same thing I offer you today, the word of God. Now, are we having coffee and donuts or whatever we're having after service today? Yes or no? Yes, but notice we do it afterward. The word is first. We put the word first. Don't go somewhere where they're putting their coffee shop first. Or what kind of espresso coffee they're serving. Don't go there. The power of God's not there. I said the power of God's not there. I said the power of God's not there. Go somewhere where they put the word first. Did you hear me? Continuing daily with one accord in the temple, a breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food. Verse 46, gladness and simplicity or sincerity of heart. Praising God. See, praising God. There was worship going on. Praising God. Having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Is that wonderful? Now, uh, let's look at verses 46 and 47 in the New Living Translation. Verses 40, Acts 2, 46 and 47 in New Living Translation. It says they worshiped together at the temple. What does that say? Each day. I used to go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But they were doing it each day. Anyway, met in homes for the Lord's Supper. See, there it says it. And shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And then the next verse. All the while praising God, enjoying the the goodwill of, of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, if you want the power that they had, you're going to have to do what they did. Is that right? Now, let's go to chapter 3. Now, Peter and John... New King James Version went up together to the temple at the hour of at the hour of what at the hour of prayer. I'd like to put verse one just real quickly in the New Living Translation. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part to take part in a three o'clock prayer service. Wow! So they had prayer services going on, didn't they? So what were Peter and John, back to the New King James, what were they going to do there? We're going to the hour of, of what? If you want to have power of God, you're going to have to be people of prayer. And a certain, 
Now, when you're studying the book of Acts, anytime you see the word certain, there was a certain person or a certain man or a certain, you need to pay special attention to it because it usually is a big deal. It leads to, it leads to a big deal, something real big that, that, that's, that, that needs to be focused on. So this is going to need to be focused on because this is going to take us through the next couple of chapters. Chapter three and four. A certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms for those who entered the temple. So he's a beggar. He's out there. He's crippled. And he's asking people for money. Day after day. Who's seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple ask for alms? And fixing his eyes on him, with John, Peter said, look at us. I'd like to look at that verse in the King James Bible. The King James. And Peter, fasting his eyes upon him with John, said, didn't say look at. What did Peter say? Look. Look on us. Look on us. There was something on Peter and John. It was the power of God. It was the anointing of God. See, Peter couldn't heal that man any more than you or I could. John couldn't heal him any more than you or I could. Only Jesus, the power of God, could heal that person. Did you hear me? And so what Peter tried to get this guy to do was to get his eyes off of his sad sack situation he was in. And don't even look at them, but look on them. See, don't look at me. I can't help you. I can't help you. I'm talking about his healing power goes. I can't help you. Don't look at me, but look on me. Because there's something on me. It's called the healing power of God. And that can help you. That can heal you. I can't heal you. There's not a man, woman, boy, or girl on the planet that could heal you. But the power of God can heal you. Don't look at me or at any minister, but look on me. Look on me. I know what it's like. I know what that power is like. It, 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 sometimes you feel, sometimes you can't feel it at all. We walk by faith, not by sight. But sometimes when you can feel it, it feels like a heat or electricity. I remember I felt it as a, uh, well, let's see. This was in 1982, so as a 19-year-old boy, I lay sick all day with, a, with flu-like symptoms, had a fever. And I remember I went to a certain uh, a church uh, that evening because I'd laid sick all day on my mother's couch. I was raised in the Baptist church, was born again, hadn't been baptized in the Holy Ghost yet. I lay all day on my mother's couch, sick with a fever. And that night I went to a charismatic church, a church that not only believes in the new birth, but believes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the, 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 the Spirit, you know. And I'd never been to one of those before. But I, I'd heard this fellow on the radio, and so it was right here in the Fenton area, so I went to the service. And I went in, I'd never been in anything like that before. Long story short, uh, I felt the power of God on me. It felt like electricity sitting right here on my forehead. And uh, I remember I, because uh, I, the guy called me out of the service, a 19-year-old boy, Holy Ghost spoke through him, said, told me some things concerning my, my life and whatnot, concerning the calling of God. And, and I didn't know what else to do, so I just did that. And I knew he was talking to me because he was right there just a few feet from me. And uh, called me out, so on and so forth. And I remember, I looked up, 
And when I did, there was a like electrical charge, like electrical net sitting on my head. And I looked down. I looked up the second time. It was still there. And I looked down. Have you ever had electrical nets sitting on your head? I, I have one time in my life. Third time I looked up, it was still there. I looked down. Fourth time I looked up, it was gone. But guess what else was gone? The fever and the sickness. Can you say amen? Glory. Isn't that wonderful? See, the power of God is what you need to look at. Look on us. Look at verse 5, back New King James. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. Now, why didn't he have silver and gold? Because he had sold everything that he had and he laid it there in the temple with everybody else's belongings. Do you see that? Do you see that or not? See, a lot of times people say, well, Peter was broke. Well, he wasn't broke. He had sold what he had, just like these other people. And he laid it there in the treasury of God. That's why he didn't have any silver or gold on him. Do you see that? How many of you see that? It makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Why didn't Peter have any silver or gold? Because we just told you that, that what most of the Christians did back there in Jerusalem is they sold what they had. How many of you know Peter had some boats, didn't he? Didn't he? He had sold them. I mean, did Jesus use his boat once in a while? But apparently at some point, Peter had sold what he had. Did Peter have a house? Now we know that he did because one time Jesus got done in the synagogue and went over and healed Peter's, Peter's, Peter-in-law, Peter's mother-in-law. Is that right? Is that right? So Peter and John had sold what they had, no doubt, and put it there in the treasury. That's why he didn't have any silver or gold on him. Not because he was broke or busted or disgusted. He said, I don't have that, but what I do have, I give you in the name of, now watch this, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Isn't that wonderful? So he leaping up, see, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. Isn't that wonderful? I've seen variations on this over the years. I guess the most outstanding one that I've seen was this woman named Vivian. And long story short, uh, I had a healing line that day. And uh, and she came up in it. What I didn't know is it took her about 20 minutes to walk in from the parking lot to get into the building. And it took her about five or six minutes to walk from the back of the building up here. Didn't know that. All I know is she comes into the line like that. Just barely going. And so we laid hands on her, and I just felt impressed of the Spirit of God to walk that way. So she took off this way, and she was just going just real slow. The ushers were good. I said, no, don't, just leave her alone. So, And so anyway, so I went ahead and was ministering to other people. And all of a sudden, back over here, by the sound booth, it just an eruption of people just praising God and going on. The power of God hit her back over there by the sound booth. And she was instantly straightened up and she was running around the building. Can you say amen? Is anybody here that day and remember that? Now there are several people who's here remember that. I'm not making that up, am I? And we could tell you of other such things, but that was one of the most outstanding. 
I mean, just leaping and running around here. I remember two, two other instances I'll tell you about. One fellow had broke his foot in a motorcycle accident. And just right in the middle of the service, the power of God hit him, healed him. Broken foot now. And he's running around the, running around the room healed. Glory to God. Isn't that wonderful? And then another fellow had broke his heel. This is another fellow. Broke his heel. And uh, uh, this was near the end of the service. The power of God hit him and healed his heel. How many of you like to have your heel healed? And he's running around the room. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Praise God. That's the kind of church you want to attend. And we've, we've had all sorts of things happen where the power of God's helped and healed people. Now notice here, in, where did I leave off? What, what verse did I stop? Verse 8, so leaping up, so, so leaping up, stood, walked, entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Isn't that what you ought to do when you get healed of something? Is just, praise God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people. He said, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look, why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murder to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life whom God raised from the dead. Of which we are witnesses. Do you see him preaching the gospel here? You see that? And his name. Notice verse 16. And his name. Through faith in his name. Now he's going to tell you how it happened. His name. That's the name of Jesus. Through faith in his name. Has made this man strong. Whom you see and know. Yes. The faith which comes through him. Has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. See, it's the name of Jesus. Dear friends, there's power in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance. That means you, they, they put to, they put Jesus on the cross in ignorance. As did also your rulers. Remember, Jesus said, forgive them for they No, not what they do. Verse 18. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent. Why did did Peter preach a message of repentance? You see this again and again. Repentance, the gospel. Repentance and the gospel is being presented to the people. Repent, therefore, and be converted. That your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. See, that's how you get refreshed. You get in his presence. Stay in it. And that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before. Now watch this. Whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things. Where is Jesus right now? He's seated at the right hand of the Father, isn't he? Now, the Holy Ghost is here, 
But Jesus is literally seated at the right hand of the Father. One thing he's doing is he's praying for you and me. He ever liveth to make intercession. But but he's got to, he'll he'll stay there. It, the, it says, "Whom heaven must receive what until when? Until the times of restoration of all things." And we're coming up right on that time, right now in which we live. The Lord's getting ready to come back. And God has spoken by the mouth of all His holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. Well, Moses was talking about Jesus. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet will be utterly destroyed from among the people. See, if you won't listen to Jesus, then there's nothing left for you but destruction. Verse 24. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken... Have also foretold these days. You are the sons of the prophets. And of the covenant which God made with our fathers. Saying to Abraham. And in your seed all the families of the earth will be blessed. Well he was talking about Jesus. Because Jesus came naturally from the seed of Abraham. Didn't he? And then verse 26. To you first God having raised up his servant Jesus. Sent him to bless you. In turning away every one of you. From your iniquities. Is he telling them they have to turn away from sin? Yeah, yeah that's yeah, that's in there. Now verse chapter 4 verse 1. Now as they spoke to the people. As Peter, Peter you know and John is re- replying. As a result of this certain man. Lame man being healed. Now as they spoke to the people. The priests. The captain of the temple and the Sadducees came to them. Well, whenever the religious people get together, that's never going to be a whole lot of fun, is it? Here they come. They're going to stick their nose in this. Being greatly, dist- being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now, notice... It disturbed these religious people that they were preaching the name of Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. And particularly the Sadducees because they didn't believe there was a resurrection. They, They don't believe in that. How many of you know we ought to go with the Bible, not with what people think? And they laid hands on them, verse 3, and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. So now you do the will of God, you do the work of God, you get this man healed, and now you're in custody. Think about that. However, many of those who heard the word believed. And the number of them came to be about 5,000. Isn't that something? That's pretty awesome, isn't it? And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many of them as the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. So there they are, these religious people. Verse 7, And when they had set them, the disciples, in the midst, you know, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, I like that. We need to be full of the Holy Ghost. Full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. A preacher preacher shouldn't be full of jokes. 
A preacher ought to be full of the Holy Ghost. A preacher shouldn't be full of funny stories. He ought to be full of the Holy Ghost. Is that right? I've already met preachers. They can tell you one joke right after another. Rattle them off just like a machine gun. But, but you start talking to them about the Word of God. They, they, they're totally ignorant of it. How many of you know we ought to be full of the Word of God? We ought to be able to spit scriptures out just like a machine gun and shoot. Is that right? Especially a minister. I used to, when we'd go out on dates, I used to say to Diane, would you like me to quote for you? She said, what are you talking about? I said, there was a certain woman with the issue of blood who suffered many things and many physicians, nothing better, but rather grew worse. Sure, Jesus came to press behind for her. She said, if I'm touched by his clothes, I shall be whole. And I'd go on, you know, on and on. You want me to go on? You, you thirsty for more? You know, I'd quote, you know, or the rich man Lazarus. I said, you want to hear me quote? Say, full of the word of God. You want more? There, I, I, there was a certain, there was a certain woman. You want me to quote? <laughs> With an issue of blood. Suffered many things of many physicians. I just said that to you, but I'm going over it again so you get it. Or I'd quote the rich man Lazarus. I'd just go on and on, you know. So you want to hear me quote? We're on a date. But don't you want to hear me quote? Well, a preacher ought to be full of the Holy Ghost. Full of the Word, right? I could quote that, but see, I'm getting off. I need to stay on what I'm doing here. Amen. We ought to be full of the Word. Full of the Holy Ghost, is that right? You ought to be preaching the Holy Ghost, get a hold of your tongue as a minister and just say what he once said. Amen. You always have to yield to him. Now, he won't make you do anything. And it came to pass on the next day that they got together, you know, in verse 8, Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. Say he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Say it again. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, rulers... Of the people and elders of Israel. If we this day are judged for a good deed done to the helpless man. By what means. He has been made well. Let it be known to you all. And to all the people of Israel. That by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Whom you crucified. Whom God raised from the dead. Is there, is there, you got the name of Jesus in the gospel again don't you. By him, this man stands here before you whole. See, Peter's not taking credit for this healing. John's not taking credit. Who are they giving the credit to? Jesus, the name of Jesus, the power of God. This is the stone who, re, who was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. See, that's Jesus. See, he came to his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons of God, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. See, there I quoted, quoted some for you. See, that's John 1, 12 and 13. Amen. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men, uh, among men by which you must be saved. 
I like verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Let me tell you something. Let me listen very carefully. Buddha will not save you. Harry Krishna will not save you. Did you hear me? The Pope won't save you. Did you hear me? Mohammed will not save you. Allah will not save you. Allah and Jehovah are not the same. We serve Jehovah. And his son Jesus. And it's not the Jehovah or the Jehovah's Witnesses either. I said that's a cult. Jehovah's Witness. Did you hear me? Abraham won't save you. Isaac won't save you. Jacob won't save you. Israel won't save you. Being a natural born Jew won't save you. Moses won't save you. Any of the prophets won't save you. Peter's won't save you. John won't save you. Paul won't save you. There's only one that'll save you, one name that'll save you, and it is the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of the living God. There's no other way to the Father except through Him. No other way. Did you hear me? You know what? I've preached on Moses. I've preached on Abraham. I've preached on Isaac. I've preached on Jacob. I've preached on the prophets of the Old Testament. I've preached on Peter, James, and John, and Paul. I've preached on them all. But I tell you what, when I preach on those guys, it's wonderful and great. But it's not until I start preaching on Jesus and the name of Jesus that the anointing of God comes and the power of God begins to flow. Glory to God. There's just something about Jesus. There's just something about that name. There's nobody like him, dear friends. He's the one that walks on the water. He's the one that calms the storm. He's the one that raises the dead. He's the one that heals the sick. He's the fairest among 10,000. He's the bright in the morning star. He's the one that shows up for you when you're in the fiery furnace. He's the one that comes in the midnight hour. Can you say amen? Said, can you say amen? amen? Glory to God, there's nobody like Jesus. I like that song that used to, it went like this, ain't nobody do me like Jesus. Amen? amen? Glory to God. You can't get saved any other way except through the name of Jesus. Ain't no other way. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John... Verse 13, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. And marveled and realized they'd been with Jesus. Friends, there's something about being with Jesus. I tell you what, being with Jesus will make up for a lot. If you're not real educated, well, get as much education as you can. But Jesus will make up the rest. 
He'll make up for it. These were uneducated men, untrained men. But they'd realized that they'd been with Jesus. You know, you can tell when somebody's been with Jesus. I said, you can tell when somebody's been with Jesus. I said, you can tell when somebody's been with Jesus. They realized that they had been with Jesus. You want a preacher that's been with Jesus. I've been running with Jesus since I've been a kid. I hadn't found nobody better to run with, so I guess I'll just keep running with him. What do you think? And then verse 14 says, And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Do you know when God does something, it's real hard to deny. They couldn't say anything against it. But when they commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle... Now they're seeing, now they're having their secret little meeting here now. So they send the apostles out, and they say, What are, what are we going to do to these guys? For indeed, a notable miracle has been done through them. It's evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. I like that. When God does something, you just can't deny it. But so that it spreads no further. Now, why wouldn't you want this to spread further? There's this man's been laying there for years, no doubt. He's just been healed. Now, why do you want to stop something like that? Don't you just hate the religion of man? Don't you just hate that? I just hate the religion of man. I just, this is what I do. I go, P-U. You know what that means? It smells. Why wouldn't you want this to spread further? But that it spread no further. Let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak no, they speak to no man in this name. See, they, there's something about the name of Jesus, dear friends. You ought to listen when people pray. Particularly like, like on television, you know, at a, at a presidential inauguration or something like that. I, I always listen. I want to see if they pray in the name of Jesus. You need to pray in the name of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the name of Jesus. There's something about the name of Jesus. You know, you know why there's something about the name of Jesus? It's because Jesus destroyed principalities and powers. He destroyed demon powers through his death, burial, and resurrection. And when you say the name of Jesus, it stirs the devil up in everybody and anybody that's influenced by him. I remember Diane and I had gone to a wedding some years ago. And uh, there's another fellow did the did the ceremony, but... The people knew us and they wanted me to pray afterwards, after the ceremony, before it was dismissed. I remember I went up on the platform or up on the stage and I prayed. There's lots of people there. And uh, when I got done, I prayed in the name of Jesus. Amen. And there was a man there who had a demon in him. And that demon got stirred up. But it didn't really see it until afterwards at the reception. And in there at the reception, I remember uh, this guy was all stirred up. It wasn't him. It was a demon on the inside of him. You know the name of Jesus will stir the devil up. And he began to say different mocking things to 
just just behind our back, I could hear him, and he said, you're the one that used the name of Jesus. He said that to me. We were walking. You're the one that used the name of Jesus. And you know, I just looked at him. Just want to go cast the devil out of him. But he didn't want the devil cast out of him. And I was in an environment it would have caused a stir. So I just left. You know, you can't get the devil out of somebody they don't want him out. I said, you can't get the devil out of somebody they don't want him out. But if somebody wants to be set free, you can use the name of Jesus and drive the devil out. Did you hear me? I remember I came in here on a Sunday morning one time, stood right up there on the stage in the pulpit, because the pulpit was up, was up there at that time, came into the pulpit, minding my own business. And the Spirit of God said to me, discerning spirits went into operation. There was somebody there who had a suicidal spirit on them. And uh, so I said, there's somebody here who's got a suicidal spirit on them. No more than I said that off to my left. Ah! This lady screams. I said, come out in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the power of God hit her. She fell down like a sack of salt. That'll make visitors nervous, by the way. Now, that don't happen every service. She was delivered. I woke some people up. But, she, but when she did that, it woke me up. The, the hair on the back of my neck stood up. But it left her. And she was delivered. Can you say amen? Should I tell you one that will freak you out a little more? You got a little time for that? I was up here one day. We had a healing line. I've told it before, but I'll tell it again. And I got about right. There's a line. People were lying from one side to the other. And, and I get to about right in here somewhere. And there's a lady that's got a demon. <laughs> had a demon there. Now, this, this happened three times. We've dealt with demons in 21 years. So if it's happening every week, now you've got to be suspect. But three times in 21 years, I'd say we're of God. So I don't go running, looking after the devil. We seek God, run after God. When the devil shows up, you cast him out. Amen. But I'm standing in here and I get up in front of this lady. And I had my ushers there. And the one, Bob Hill was the one, one of the ushers. And this lady, she hissed at me. And, you know, just naturally, I'm kind of, you know, I said, what are you talking about, Willis? You know, that's what I'm thinking. But you don't do that when you're dealing with the devil. And she kind of hissed at me. And I just said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, come out of her. And I laid my hands on her. And when I did, not, not me, but the power of God hit her. And, and she went down like a sack of salt. And I saw in the spirit, in the spirit, I saw like a, like a bat, B-A-T, it, it went out that way. I never said anything to anybody because this, this, this would freak people out bad enough. But if I, t- I saw a bat go out that way, nonetheless, she's totally delivered. Can you say amen? amen? So I'm standing at the door greeting after the service. And Marianne Anachi. Now, she's a very sound woman. Used to be a math teacher at Eureka High School. She came up to me and she said, she said Pastor Terry, I gotta, can I ask you a question? I love this woman. Mary, she's a wonderful lady. She came up to me and said, I gotta ask you, she was a little bit shaken and, and she said, I gotta ask you a question. I said, certainly. And she said, you know when you laid hands on that woman that fell down? I said, yeah. She said, I saw like a black bird, like a bat or a bird go out, it was to hurt, go out that way. 
And it made me feel a little better because she evidently saw Because <laughs> she's a very sound woman, you know, that she saw the same thing I did. She saw it. It went to her right, my left. Nonetheless, it went that way. And you send them to buy, Jesus says, send them to the dry place where they seek rest and find none. So why do they, they go out that way? I don't know. I guess that's where the dry place is out that way. I don't know. I'm trying to be funny with you there, but. But people got delivered. Can you say amen? See, you don't want to attend a church where all it is is they're just talking to you, but nothing ever happens. Don't you want some of this to happen? Don't you want some of it to happen? Yeah. I mean, I could tell stories and stories about how these things have happened here. What verse was I in? I'm going to finish chapter 4 and then we're going to dismiss. So they called and commanded, don't speak in the name of Jesus. Well, why not? We need to speak in the name of Jesus. Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we've seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they threatened Peter and John, you know, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what what they they'd done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom the miracle of healing had been performed and being let go. Now, this is something you need to grab a hold of. I'm almost done here preaching. But let's just finish this chapter up. Just a few more verses and being let go, they went to Where'd they go? They went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Uh, the King James says they went to their own company. Or we could say that they went to their own local church. You know, you need to attend a church where there are people there of like precious faith. In other words, if, 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 if I'm thinking of a lady who was in a church, they didn't believe in healing. And so the lady went to a, this is back in the days of the tent revival. She went to a tent revival where there was the healing power of God was flowing and she got healed. Got healed. She's crippled. She got healed, was walking. And then she went back to the church that she came out of that didn't believe in healing. And in a short time, guess what? She's right back in the wheelchair. And so she said, I'm not going to hang around this place. I'm going to find me a church where they believe in healing. And so she did. And the healing power of God came back on her. And she got well well, and, and, and walked and continued walking. You need to go where people believe the word of God. Of like precious faith. Is that right? And so they went to their own companions, those of their own company. You need to have a local church where you're hooked in. And when they heard that, they now look what they did here now. Look what they did here at this, at this local church where they went. They went to their own company, reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. See, they were threatening them. Don't, don't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with what? With one accord and said, Lord... You are God who made heaven and earth and sea and all that in them is. Who by the mouth of your servant David have said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. So do uh, so do whatever your hand and your purpose determine 
to do what your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Now, what are they praying for here? They're praying for what? Boldness. By stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was what? Shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Did God answer their prayer? They're praying for boldness. He answered it. Notice they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, listen to me. These people had gotten filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. Is that right? Well, why are they getting filled again? Now, study into it. You'll see you only need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit one time. But there's something about the Holy Ghost, and I've learned this. And and, and the Holy Ghost, it's not that you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit again. But this is more talking about the power of God. Did you know the power of God in you can be more strong or less strong? How many has ever figured that out? You spend a lot of time in the Word of God. You spend a lot of time in prayer. There's a scripture that says, uh, Be not drunk on wine wherein is excess, but be being filled or stay full to the brim with the Holy Ghost. You'll see this again and again. Remember we read a moment ago how Peter was full of the Holy Ghost. Why was he full of the Holy Ghost? Well, he's born again, all right. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit, all right. But he had been in prayer and he had been in the Word of God and he was full of that power. That's why he said to that man, Look on us. See, I've learned this in my life. Times when I'm not spending time in prayer like I should, when I'm not spending time in the Word like I should, that power level seems to go down. Now, the Holy Ghost is still with me. Don't misunderstand. But the power level can go down. I know, no, notice in times of my life where, where threatenings have come from different people and different things and affairs of life coming at you and this is hitting you on this side and this is hitting you on that side and you get distracted and you don't spend as much time in the Word of God and in prayer as you should. That power level of the Holy Ghost. Now he's still in there, but that power level goes down. And so it's not a matter of getting baptized in the Holy Ghost again. It's a matter of getting in the presence of God. Notice what they did. They went back to their own own company and they began to praise God. No doubt they got back in the Word of God. They got around other people of like faith to be encouraged and built up. And I tell you what, times where I've let the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Ghost wane or go down in my life, you get around other people of like faith, you start encouraging one another in the Word of God, you start studying the Word of God, you start praying, you start praying in other tongues, And I tell you what, the power of God will rise back up on the inside of you and you'll get full of the Holy Ghost. How many of you want to be full of the Holy Ghost? Amen. And that's what they did. See, they'd been threatened, they'd been beaten down, and they went back to their local church and they got encouraged and they got built back up and they got that, that the power of the Holy Ghost came full. And I tell you what, when the power of the Holy Ghost comes full on you, you'll get just real bold. The righteous are as what? Bold as a lion. Not obnoxious now, but bold. How many of you know you can be bold and not be obnoxious? Now, verse 32. Now, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say at, 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 that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. We talked about that. Now, watch this. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Talking about that resurrection. And great grace was on them all. How many of you want great grace on you? Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. That's a good deal, isn't it? 
For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. We've talked about that. Laid them at the apostles' feet and they distributed each one as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement. That was his name. A Levite of the country of Cyprus, having sold, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, we're going to stop right here, but I want you to listen. Next Sunday, read Acts 5 and 6 and, and Acts 8. Actually, you can read Acts 5, 6, 7, and 8 for next Sunday. But this right here, we need to really think about this. What did they do? Verse 37. Barnabas, what did he do? He had land. What did he do? He sold it. He brought the money and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, next Sunday, we're going to see that this very thing here cost two people their lives. Ananias and Sapphira fell dead right in the local church. Now, I don't have that as one of my testimonies to share with you. I've never had anybody fall dead here in the local church. Can you say amen to that? But this happened in this early church. And we'll see Ananias and Sapphira. We'll see why they fell dead. There was power in that early church. We'll go over it with you next week. Why they fell dead. Did they go to heaven or hell? We'll talk about that a little bit next week. I'll give you my thoughts on it. Dear friends, over the last 2,000 years and what I know anything about here in the United States, there are some churches, no doubt, that flow with the power of God, but so many don't. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing to me and it breaks my heart as I look around and I see so many churches that aren't anywhere close to this right here. What we've studied today and over the last couple of weeks. And you know these testimonies that I've shared in here this morning? Some of the, some of the largest churches in St. Louis would not let me share those stories from their pulpits. You need to understand that. They wouldn't let me in. They wouldn't let me share those. But yet we see, we see similar things in the Word of God, don't we? I don't know about you, but I want what the Word of God ha- says we ought to have. And and my biggest prayer, I guess, would be is that I wish that there were people in the St. Louis area and in the nation that would get more hungry for these things. Be more hungry for the word of God than we are for donuts and coffee. Can you say amen? Stand with me if you would. They're going to 